Excited to be back in the pulpit today uh, as we turn to Proverbs chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Proverbs chapter 9. As, as you're finding that passage, I'll tell you a little story. You know, we've been preaching through Proverbs, which is, you know, wisdom versus folly. In fact, today you're, this sermon is titled Lady Wisdom versus Lady Folly. And earlier this week, I was uh, texting back and forth with Pastor Daryl as to my preaching this morning, and I said, uh, Daryl, I, I think I'm going to take my brace off uh, when I preach. The doctor's allowing me to take this off from time to time. I know it's a little bit distracting, so I said, I'm going to take the brace off when I preach, and he immediately responded, are you doing that as an example of folly? <laughs> so I took his counsel, put the brace on, here we go. This is Proverbs chapter 9. If you are able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. Lady wisdom versus lady folly. Proverbs chapter 9. The word of God says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser still, or will still be, <clears throat> be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman, folly, is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks scent, she says, stolen water is sweet. Even bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that, she, that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, this is your word, which makes it true in all that it says and teaches. Our prayer, Lord, is that you would move every distraction, things that might be on our mind or on our hearts, whether physical or spiritual, emotional, remove those, Father, and that we might focus on thy holy word. Lord, we pray that there, if there is one here who doesn't know Jesus, may they hear the call of the Holy Spirit. May they come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord today. We pray for believers in this room. 
that we would hear and incline our hearts to the things of God, that we would see the difference between wisdom and folly, that we would see the end from the beginning, O oh God. Bless this time of preaching. May we worship you through it. In Jesus' name we all pray, and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Dinner invitations. Don't you love to get a dinner invitation, especially if that invitation is from a close friend or people that you know and love, or if you know that the dinner is going to be a great meal, a delicious meal for you to go to someone's house and to have dinner. You know it's enjoyable to sit down at a table with good friends and share a good meal together. But I have a question for you. Have you ever received two dinner invitations from two different people for the same night? And you had to make a decision, which dinner will you attend? I ask you that question because that's actually the situation here in Proverbs chapter 9. As we read the text, you probably noticed that there are two hosts, two ladies. Solomon personifies wisdom and folly, calling them Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly. And this text says that each one acts as a host, and Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly both call out to the same group of people, and say, come on, come have dinner, come eat and share with me. Beloved, today as we walk through this passage, this entire chapter of Proverbs 9, we're going to find that both hosts, both ladies have, very, have some, some similarities between them. Things that are very much alike in who they are and, and the way they, they call to dinner. But we're also going to find that these ladies have very distinct differences. So as we engage this text, I want you to see four main things as we walk through this text today. And this is how the text breaks down. First of all, I want you to see the similarities between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Secondly, let's look at the differences. Thirdly, let's look at the difference between what this text calls a wise man and a scoffer, because right in the middle of this text, it gives us that explanation. And then finally, let's see all of this through the lens of Christ, how the Lord Jesus Christ actually teaches us wisdom through Proverbs chapter 9. I hope you have your Bibles with you today because we're going to be going through this text back and forth, back and forth, this entire sermon, looking at what Proverbs chapter 9 teaches us as we start out the, the similarities between lady wisdom and lady folly. As we, as we first look at these similarities, let's answer maybe four questions. First of all, what is similar in the audience that each lady is speaking to, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Look with me, verse 4. 
The beginning of this text talks about Lady Wisdom, and in verse 4, the Bible says, Lady Wisdom calls out, she says, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Look at verse 16. You see the same thing with Lady Folly. Verse 16 says, this is Lady Folly speaking now, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. You can see that both wisdom and folly, they're calling out to the same group of people. The simple, that's, that's a way of saying naive. Someone who's unlearned. Someone who lacks sense. Someone who lacks judgment. We remember these people back from Proverbs chapter 1 because Proverbs 1 says the the whole book of Proverbs is written to the unlearned, to the simple, to the naive. And many times, that's our youth. That's our children. That's our youth. They're ignorant. And by the way, it's not necessarily wrong to be ignorant. It's wrong to stay ignorant. We all start with some level of ignorance, of naivety. But to some degree, this is speaking to adults, folks who have gone through life without learning what they should have learned, without having that wisdom. They still lack sense. They still lack wisdom. So what you have are these two ladies, Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, and they're calling to the same group of people. They're similar in that way. But secondly, they're similar in the way, or the place rather, in which they give their speech. Look at verse 3. Lady Wisdom says, it says, She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places of the town. If you have your pen with your, your pencil, underline highest places. Because we look at verses 14 and 15, Lady Folly, where is she calling? It says she sits at the door of her house, but then it says she takes a seat where? On the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. So what is similar? That wisdom and folly both call from the highest places of the town. What in the world does that mean? If we look at the history of this, what we find are that places of worship, specifically the temple, they were places that were built on the highest point of the city. If you read the book of Acts, if you read the Gospels, when people go to Jerusalem, they go up or down to Jerusalem? You know, they go up. It's the highest point. You see, the temple was built on the highest point of the city. You see, what the Bible is saying when, the, when wisdom calls and when folly calls from the highest place in the city, the Bible is telling you, telling us, this is a religious choice you're getting ready to make. This has everything to do with your relationship with God. Calling out from the highest point of the city. So that is not just a... a, a a detail to be left out is something to be noticed that calling from the highest point of the city calls us to make a decision regarding your relationship with God. Thirdly, it's similar in what each lady offers. 
because each lady is offering a dinner invitation. Look at verse 5. Lady Wisdom says it this way. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Look at verse 16 and 17, just the first part of 16. Lady Folly says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Verse 17, for what? Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So what is this invitation? Come, wisdom says. Come, folly says. Come, eat with me, drink with me, take your place with me. I invite you to come. And then fourth and finally, there's one last similarity. Each lady makes promises that if you come, if you do this, certain things will happen. Look at verse 6. Here's the promise of wisdom. Leave your simple ways and what? Live. There's a promise there, a promise of life. Verse 17, folly makes the promise. Stolen water is sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. I promise you, Folly says, sweetness of life, a pleasant existence while you're in this world. Yes, I make you a promise. And we see these similarities, these four similarities between both of these ladies. But what wisdom is going to teach us in just a moment is what to see the end from the beginning. I'm telling you, over and over and over, Proverbs lays it out for us. It shows us to to look past even all the similarities and to see beyond the surface of things, to dive deep and to see the end from the beginning so that we can keep our lives from sin and the disastrous effects of a sinful life. Because not only do we have similarities, we, we see the contrasts, we see the differences. So let's move to this second point. What are the differences between these two ladies who are so similar in the way they call, who they call? What are the differences? The first difference I can tell you is this. We can see the difference in each lady's work ethic. Let's look at wisdom first. Look back at verses 1 and 2. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. When the Bible describes the work ethic of wisdom, Solomon says she is a builder. In fact, she built this house. She's not lazy. She is a hard worker. In the way she spends her time, she spends it doing meaningful things. In fact, that next phrase, she's hewn her seven pillars. That phrase is there to give us the picture of beautiful architecture, completeness, not just building to build, but building to to build with design, with purpose, and completeness. 
You see the verbs in verse 2 of her work, et- work ethic. What has she done? She has slaughtered and mixed. That means she is a lady of preparation. And she prepares, this text says, not only for herself, but for other people. She's looking to the interest of others. See, not only is her work diligent, not only is she efficient, but she's very loving. Because she's fixing this meat, she's mixing that wine for other people. She has a very strong work ethic. What's the work ethic of Lady Folly? Look at verse 14, the first part of the text. She sits. I could stop right there, but we won't. She sits at the door of her house. This teaches us that Lady Folly chooses to be lazy. Instead of being a hard worker, she neglects to use the gifts God has given her. She neglects to use the talents that God has given her for her good or for other people's good. She sits at the door of her house. She does not get up. She wastes all the opportunities, all the gifts and talents God has given her, and she shows that she has a very poor work ethic. That's the first difference. What's the second? There's a difference in food. If we look back in verse 2, what do we see is the food of Lady Wisdom? Lady Wisdom has slaughtered beast. She has mixed her wine. In other words, this is a meal that's going to be very tasty, very delicious. And let's notice something that you might lose sight of in this text. The beast that she slaughters, the wine that she mixes, the table that she sets, who does it belong to? It belongs to her. They're hers. You see, she's worked for them. She's used her own money to buy them. She slaughters her own meat. She fixes her own wine. She sets her table. It's not something that belongs to someone else that she has to take. No, she prepares her own food on her own table. Let's compare that to folly. Look at verse 17. Folly's food looks like this. What's the first word? Stolen. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She wasn't prepared. She had been lazy her entire life, so what did she have to do? She had to go take something that belonged to somebody else, didn't she? Even water. She had to go steal water and steal the bread. And by the way, let's compare the meals. We have a tasty animal with mixed wine versus stolen water and bread. Over here, you've got something 
delicious. You, you look forward to sitting down at this meal. Over here, it's something just bland, and it's stolen. You even got to eat this over here in secret. You don't want anyone to see you. You have wisdom over here who cares about other people, working hard to prepare. You have folly who takes no interest in anyone, not even herself. For she has to go steal from other people. And then thirdly, we look at what's the difference in each lady's state of mind and speech. You recall verses 1 through 2 of this text. I read them, I've read them a couple times already, so I won't read them again. But we find from verses 1 and 2 that Lady Wisdom is very educated. She has to be. In order to build a house, in order to hewn seven pillars, in order to be able to slaughter a beast and mix wine, you've got to know what you're doing. In other words, she, is, she has flourished in her work ethic. She has educa been educated on how to do this and that. In fact, from verse 3, we learn that she is the master of the house, if you will. Verse 3 teaches us that she has servants in the house. And that when she goes out and speaks through her servants, verse 3 says, she is looking to the interest of other people. How is folly different? Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, the woman folly is loud. She's seductive. And she knows nothing. So compared to Lady Wisdom, who has been educated, she has dived into learning and using the gifts and talents God has given her. Lady Folly knows nothing. That's what the Bible says. And she just chooses to be loud. She chooses to be seductive. You know, that word seductive reminds us of the sermon preached about three weeks ago from Proverbs 5 about seductive words. If you have your Bibles, jump back to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3. We looked at this three weeks ago. It talks about the seductive words of the forbidden woman. It says, For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Seductive words that kind of match the adulteress of Proverbs 5. But then one final difference, and maybe the most important difference between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly, is the results of their lifestyle. Let's look at the result of wisdom. It's found in verse 6. Leave your simple ways and what? Live. And walk in the way of insight. So following lady wisdom, the Bible says, leads to life. But what about lady folly? Her result is found in verse 18. Actually, let's look at 17, then 18. Again, 17 says, stolen water is sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. 
But he, this unlearned, ignorant, naive person, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, things look good on the outside, but once you follow Lady Wisdom, once you eat of her bread, once you drink of her stolen water, there's nothing but death. Death for your body, death for your soul. And Solomon is laying all of this out before us, and he wants us to know, specifically for naive or unlearned, what the Bible calls simple people. It is so easy to turn to that which seems sweet and pleasant. It is so easy to turn to lips that drip with honey, speech that is smoother than oil. But right here, you see it in verse 18, he teaches us the end from the beginning because he says, if you follow folly, if you go dine with that lady, what's going to be at the end of your road? Death will find you there. Death for your body, death for your soul. You'll be apart from God forever. See the similarities, he says. Yes, they give speeches from the highest point. Both of them do. They speak to the same audience. They'll both offer you a meal. They'll both make you promises. But see the difference. Wisdom has meat and mixed wine. Folly has stolen bread and water. Wisdom diligently works for her food. Lady Folly has to steal it and eat in secret. She's a smart builder. She's unlearned and lazy. She'll lead you to life and she'll lead you to death. See the differences as you see the similarities. But thirdly today, you probably saw right in the middle of this text, right in the middle of talking about wisdom and folly, Solomon kind of gives this parenthesis in the middle of this text. And I want you to see it. It's found in verses uh, really 7 through 12. Let's just reread 7 through 10. Because in this parenthesis of a text, Solomon teaches us how to tell the difference between a wise man and a scoffer. And he says, you can tell the difference between a wise man and a scoffer by the way each person reacts by the way each person reacts to reproof, to being told you're wrong. Look at it. Verses 7 through 10. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let me ask you a question. Do you like when someone um, reproves you or corrects you 
or calls you out on something. No one really likes that, right? Even the best of us, we don't like it. You know, to be called out on something, to be reproved for something, being told you're wrong. But the Bible addresses that very issue here. And it says, in life, you can tell the difference between a wise man and a scoffer or a foolish man by the way he or she reacts to reproof. Look at it. Look at verse 7. It starts with the scoffer. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, the Bible says. You reprove a wicked man, you're going to get injured. Why? Because he hates you. In other words, if I am the scoffer and someone is in front of me giving me a reproof, calling me out on something, what does the Bible say that I do? The Bible says as a scoffer, I step forward toward that person to abuse that person. It might be with my words. You're an idiot. You're stupid. Why would I listen to you? It might be with the fist. You can see the text says they'll incur injury. In these verbal reactions, these physical reactions, they're rooted in a heart that what? You can see it in verse 8. They're rooted in a heart of hate. Because the scoffer hates the person who attacks him. The scoffer wants to harm, wants to step forward and attack the person who is admonishing him because there's hate in his heart towards the person talking to him. But what about the wise man? How is that different? Look at the end of verse 8. It says, but if you reprove a wise man, he will love you. Stop right there. The heart of the scoffer is that of hate. The heart of the wise man is that of love. Keep reading, verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. So while the scoffer with a heart of hate steps forward to bring injury, the wise man steps back and says, let me just take a deep breath and think about what you just said to me. Let me receive admonition from you. In fact, I love you for doing that for me because you've taught me to be wiser. Let me ponder your instruction and and gain from it as wisdom in my life so that I'll be wiser still so that I can continue adding to my learning. So where does the rubber hit the road for us? We have to ask the question, how do each one of us receive rebuke? If you are a student in school, if you're in elementary school, middle school, high school, I have a question for you. As you look around your class, as you see your friends being maybe disciplined by their teacher, by their principal, What is the reaction that you see in their hearts and minds? Do they want to lash out at their teacher, at their principal? Do they want to incur injury to them? Or do they step back and receive it with gladness? Because right there is the difference between a scoffer and a wise man. 
Then it comes not only to how you look at other people, how do you react to it yourself? Children, you're living under your parents' house when your parents are giving you advice, when your parents have to call you out on something. Do you want to step forward and abuse them with your words, with your fists, or will you step back and love them for what they are doing for you? Add to your learning. Receive it with gladness because right there's the difference between a scoffer and a wise man. And by the way, it has everything to do with what's in your heart. If you love or hate. Because look at that verse 10. And we, it was said in the baptisms just a moment ago, one of our fathers prayed that their child would grow up having the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We've talked about this fear. It's not being terrified of God. It's a reverent awe of who He is and what He's done for you. And what has He done for you? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. And you cannot have the fear of God unless you have Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. And if you know Jesus, Jesus has changed your heart. He doesn't give you a heart of hate towards others. He gives you a heart of love. To love God and to love others just as he loved you. And that's the Bible. So fourth and finally, let's look at all of this through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because when wisdom speaks to us, that is Christ speaking to us, says the New Testament. The voice of wisdom is the voice of God. And as we look at the New Testament, let's see some of these things through the lens of Jesus Christ. We learned a moment ago that wisdom is what? Building her house. Wisdom is hewning her pillars. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is also building his church? This is Matthew 16, verse 18. He's talking to Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will what? Build my church. Christ is in the business of building a building, and that building is his church, the Bible says. In fact, the book of Ephesians talks a good bit more about this. This is Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 19, reading through verse 22. Paul is writing about the church. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, so this building, this church, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So just as wisdom builds her house, Jesus Christ is building His church. Secondly, Christ feeds His church. You see, wisdom calls out, come have a meal. I've, 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 I've slaughtered the beast. I've, I've, I've mixed the wine. Come be fed by wisdom. 
Christ who feeds us. As Daryl read a moment ago from John chapter 6, Christ is the bread of life. Christ gives us living water. What does Jesus say? Eat of me. Drink of me. And we know we do not physically feed upon the the literal body of the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but spiritually. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ and we feed on Him by faith. Every time we have the Lord's Supper, we see that bread that is broken, the fruit of the vine that is spilled, reminding us of the body and the blood of the Lord. And we're reminded that we are to feed, not physically, but spiritually on the Lord Jesus Christ. The catechism asks it this way. It says, what are the outward means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption? And it talks about his ordinances. In other words, the word of God, the sacraments and prayer all of which are effectual for the elect for salvation. Christ feeds us through his word. He wants you to come to the table of the Lord and know his word. Is the word being hidden in your heart? Are you in the word of God feeding on the Lord Jesus Christ? As you come as a church to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to to spiritually feed on Christ. That's a time of repentance for your zeal, your faith to be increased, to call upon the Lord, to lean upon Him, to thank Him for what He has done for you and allow you to to be fed by His grace, nourished, even prayer, calling out to God, communicating with the one who knows us personally. Christ feeds His church. And then third and finally, The Lord Jesus Christ not only feeds us right now, but the Bible says there's a future dinner invitation. There's something yet to be done where Christ invites you to what the Bible calls the supper of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of the book of Revelation. This is Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 6. It describes the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse 6 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And listen closely to this next verse. And then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This is the greatest dinner invitation that any one of us could ever receive. The marriage supper of the Lamb. The church is the bride of Christ. 
And as his bride, we are invited to dine with Jesus. And that is something that we anticipate, something that we look forward to, but only because we know Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. So as we close this morning, I have a question for you. If you receive a dinner, if you receive a dinner invitation, what are you also asked to do? You got to respond, don't you? You're asked to RSVP. This these invitations are no different. Because we have two dinner invitations. We have Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. They are both calling out to us, come, come, come have dinner with me. Now that we've looked at this text, we know the hosts. We've heard their invitation. They're both calling out from the highest point of the town. We've seen the food that they offer. We've heard their promises. We've seen the differences, yes, in their work ethic, even in their types of foods. Most importantly, we've seen the end from the beginning because one leads to life and the other leads to death. And we've learned that the voice of wisdom is the voice of Jesus. For Jesus is building his church Jesus loved his church to the point of death, even death on a cross. He died for her, rose again to conquer all of her enemies. He feeds and nourishes his church by his word, his sacraments, and prayer. And right now, he's preparing a wedding feast, a dinner invitation one day to come, the wedding feast of the Lamb. My question to all of us here today Where will you send your RSVP? What dinner will you attend? Will you go with Lady Folly or Lady Wisdom? Because as this text has taught us, this choice is a choice about God. Calling from the highest point of the town teaches us that this is a religious choice. This has everything to do with your relationship with God. We've said it a hundred times now. In Proverbs, there's two ways. There's no third way. There's not. Don't let the world fool you and tell you that there is a middle way. There's either lady wisdom or there's lady folly. Which one will you choose? And as we close, I want you to remember the words of Jesus Christ who speaks to us with wisdom and says this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never, ever thirst. Pray with me, please.